What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Under cold Midwest skies, something lurks through the dark. From the rolling hills to the flatlands, they move through the fields. They are cryptids of the corn. guys welcome back i'm the mysterious justin and i'm the bigfoot maestro jay and this week we didn't use alliterations you're right (laughs) (laughs) all right this week uh we're coming to a special one uh that i will convince you all this is real i'm slowly convincing jay this is real that's true um what else oh front of house stuff so if you're not on Facebook or you don't haven't seen it on the Facebook page, we're running a little bit of a contest to re, uh, to redo our intro and to do an outro. So you can submit it by email or you can submit it on Facebook or you can message me on Facebook. Uh, I've already had a couple people message me. The prize, if we use yours or use most of yours, let's say we pick it and we change it a little bit, uh, we'll still give you the prize. It's going to be like a Bigfoot box, like a Bigfoot-themed care package. Uh, it'll probably be a. I'll probably just get a box and get you a bunch of stuff at Salt Fork when we go. Ooh, a little souvenir box. Yeah, a little souvenir box from Salt Fork. You know, maybe it's a couple sign things. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the deal with that. So please submit. Um, not to say our outro is bad or our intro is bad. It's I've had comments that doesn't really match the show. Yeah. We're not very spooky with this stuff. I've heard that too. And which is fine. I like it, but I get it. It's just not it's not the flavor we are. Ah yeah. Uh we're not That's ghost a ghost story. A unique flavor. Yeah, we don't portray this as I don't know, the scariness of it. Right, we, yeah. It's more the scary campfire tales. Yeah. Which it's uh, yeah, it's just that's just not us. I love that stuff. I have at least three podcasts I listen to that are like that. It's just not me. I'm, uh, or us. It, you know, we're, we tell the story how it is, or at least how it's written down. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of take it apart, and and that's what we do. Share our truths. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, and our thoughts and stuff like that. This week's a, a little <laughs> chunky. I think it's the most words we've ever had in the script. Uh-oh. And there's a lot of this is just, like, talk about this. So that's not even all the words we're going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but this week, 
is Living UFOs, The Search for Sky Monsters. We're, getting, we're trying to get better at naming these things. Uh, so, there's kind of a phenomenon known as like uh, atmospheric jellyfish, uh, atmospheric manta rays, atmosp- sky beasts, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And when we're talking about this, we're not really talking about dragons. A lot of these are UFO-shaped creatures or weird creatures in the sky that don't really look like they should be flying Maybe using some other apparatus besides, like, wings like we typically would see. Uh, I only make the distra- the dragon distinction because I've seen that talk about a couple times last yeah. night when I was kind of hammering a couple more things out. That, uh, like, yeah, this isn't... doesn't mean dragons aren't UFOs. I don't know. Right, yeah. But when you uh, think of, like, a sky beast, maybe the first image you had... Speaking of dragons. Conjured up some sort of dragon. I think they're extinct. You think so? Mm-hmm. I think they existed for a period... I think they existed, too. Yeah, now they're extinct. Because hmm. we hunted them all. At least we knocked them down. Right, long yeah. Long enough they couldn't reproduce. All right. So, I guess we'll just dive right into it. I'll talk... I guess let's talk a little bit. So, when we say atmospheric jellyfish, it doesn't mean they look like jellyfish. It more means that uh, they kind of have an unclassic body shape or an unclassic body plan. Some of them are really fit the, like, flying saucer prototype. Uh, some of them are long, worm-like creatures that don't really have normal anatomy. Uh, some of them, you know, it just they're they're odd-shaped things. They don't. Uh, a lot of times they seem like they're almost swimming or playing. But uh, our first one, we're going to talk about uh, three of these things, and then we'll get into some points about them. Uh, is the Ohio River manta ray. Oh. Yeah, and this kind of cool <laughs> one. We're getting art made of this one. Yeah, this uh, one be sweet. But um, December 3rd, 2004, so a pretty recent one. I think besides maybe South Bay Bessie, this may be our most recent one. I think so. Yeah, 2004. I think there was a Frogman thing in 2006 we didn't include because it wasn't real. Mm. Uh, but it's out there. Like, if you look up Frogman, you'll see one. I yeah. think it was in 2006 or something. But it was blatantly fabricated. Yeah, and hoax, hoaxy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but it took place in Mason County. The witnesses reported seeing a flying manta ray shaped creature on a clear night after a man and woman departed from uh, Point Pleasant, bum bum bum, uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, en route to Huntington, West Virginia. The woman noticed a sudden movement in the sky over the river. It was a grayish, smooth wing shape with a, with a smooth wing shape. Uh, it was swooping in figure eight in front of the windshield and was gone in an instant. So she kind of seen this. This is the short version of this. She kind of seen this thing going up and down over the river, over the car, doing these big figure eight patterns. Um, another sighting of the same creature was reported in Rudolph County, near the Black Fork of the Blackwater River. A woman and her daughter saw the manta ray shaped creature gliding along uh, over and near the car against the river and the car. Uh, so this thing was hanging over top of rivers. Yeah, both of them. So our first interesting point with these is the figure eight pattern is very, very similar to how open ocean filter feeders feed. This kind of circling up when there's a high nutrient spike or something. Uh, and that'll come into play more towards the end, but a lot of these creatures have very high similarities to ocean animals. The, the sky creatures. The were sky creatures. The you know, and that's kind of goes with the name atmospheric jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of similarities between open ocean animals. 
and uh, the habitats that the more we researched is really similar uh the upper stratosphere and troposphere are very similar to the just the ocean environment right um but yeah well, like you were explaining to me yesterday, that you got the ocean that you know it goes deeper, gets higher in pressure. Mm-hmm. But then you got the skies, you go higher, it gets less pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a little gas ocean above us, you mm-hmm. know, water ocean beneath us. Yeah, it's they're they're very similar. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it's 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 cool. Um, I and I believe the troposphere is where we start losing gravitational pull at the top. Okay, where you can kind of start getting loosey goosey with it. Mm. Um, fun but, stuff happens. Uh, the dis- the full description of the Ohio River manta ray is uh, it was bigger than a car. The wingspan was wider than two road lanes, gray, but translucent like a jellyfish. You could see through the thing. Um, but yeah, some people think the creature came from the water. Other people think it came from the atmosphere and was down there feeding on some kind of insect swarm or something. Um, in December, there's not a lot of insects, so it could have been following just some kind of food source, or hmm. it could be using the water to reproduce. Oh, yeah, that's okay. kind of a theory too that uh, these guys, these atmospheric creatures, still drop eggs in the water. And the yeah, that first one, yeah, December two thousand four. So we're talking mid winter, mm-hmm. but in West Virginia, the cold up in the upper troposphere is extreme. Interesting. So okay. The cold down here would be. I guess I'm thinking more. For them feeding, you know, I think. It is, yeah, it wouldn't be an insect that we are common with that they'd be eating on. Right, yeah. Is there anything that. Is there any insect that follows over, I guess, waterways or rivers? Oh, yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. Tons and tons and tons. But it's mostly spring through fall. Right, yeah. Not in the winter. Yeah, yeah so. But there's something. Um, so, another thing to bring up. So, a couple years ago, I what was it? 2020? When the government finally confirmed the Tic Tac UFO, with I think the so. Pilot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you, any of you guys have seen it, but the government came forth and finally was like, "Yeah, we don't know what this thing was." Uh, here's the pilot's recording is accurate. You know, uh, he was. They were. They seen something on close radar. They sent fighters to, I mean, to in, in, inspect and intercept, because uh, obviously in our space we don't want something we don't know moving at you know speed but uh it ended up like he was talking like it's behind me it's beside me it's now it's in front of me now it's back behind me mm-hmm. and he was i mean these things these are these planes can go you know over the sound barrier right and it's almost like it was being very very playful like a dolphin in a ship mm-hmm. it never did anything aggressive as far as we could tell from behaviors it was just checking. It was like, you know, I'm in front of you. I'm behind you. You know, I can go faster than you. I can go slower than you. Uh, the move seemed very organic. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a big chunk of this theory. These UFOs, some of these UFOs, seem to be very organic in motion. Not, uh, they may not appear organic in texture and shape, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But they appear organic in motion. They can... Stop and turn on a dime, mm-hmm. which a fighter jet can't do, or anything anything we have right now besides maybe a drone, but we don't have drones. I think. Sorry about the sniffles, guys. <laughs> the the max drone speed I think we have right now is two hundred something miles an hour. And even with drones, when uh when they move, 
you you can tell it's it's like a machine operated, I guess. Yeah. Even drones kind of move in a sort of kind of blocky. Yeah, unless it's like in a running in a predetermined uh, path or program that's then it, you can make it seem organic. But yeah, they look you can tell it's a drone or something moving around the way it circles around or things like that. And then um, another similar one that happened was over Skinwalker Ranch. And that's a whole other bag of cats. But um, this kind of between a, a saucer and a cigar-shaped UFO. That, the Tic Tac was a cigar-shaped UFO. Uh, there was one dropped out of the... F- dropped fast out of the upper atmosphere. Uh, stopped at like 3,000 feet above the surface. Did this kind of stop and put a big circle turn okay evened out and then took off again hmm. so it's almost like a uh i've seen eagles do it mm-hmm. eagles will drop super fast and open up and then level out and then take you know travel at that level yeah right so it just a lot of these ufos have very organic properties to them they're just something Anything else on this page? Oh, no. So far. Um, let's just recap that manta ray, translucent, mm-hmm. swooped out over the, from over the river, over a car, and was doing a figure eight pattern. So. Mm-hmm. Did that twice uh, within close proximity to each other uh, around the same time frame. Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't have... I, I couldn't find a date for the second one. wasn't listed. Mm-hmm. But it was... said it was close to the, the first one. Yeah. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is a very different looking kind of creature. And it's the Crawfordville monster. Okay. And Where's Crawfordville? Uh, Indiana. Okay. And this was back in 1891. Oh. So, no flying machines. Right. Besides is... maybe a balloon. Yeah, uh, we definitely I'm, had balloons. Air balloon, hot air balloons, but I'm not sure we had blimps at this time. Um, no, I don't yeah, think I don't, we did. I don't think we did. I don't Who know. knows? When the Hindenburg blow up? Because that was in the 1900s, right? Like the... I don't know. I'm not going to pretend I know. Although I think we did have flying technology, but that's a whole other thing. Oh but gosh. yeah, That's a different bag of cats, Jay. Look at the Vamanas in India, and yeah, and the, we'll get into that maybe in a future episode. I think episode. they were riding these things. Very well could... Oh... Oh, they had atmospheric jellyfish with saddles on them? Oh, maybe Crawfordville monsters. Or them. Oh, okay. What's a Crawford, Crawfordsville monster? Uh, so it's categorized, as far as the cryptid wiki, as an atmospheric beast. Um, this thing has a very weird description, but we're going to talk about that it kind of matches some other li- real-life animals that we know about. Uh, so I'm going to try to des- describe this as best as possible. It's weird-looking. I just suggest that you go look it up, because it's weird looking. And then there's like 15 different uh, depictions. As far as I know, it didn't have teeth, but almost every cartoon depiction of it has these big, sharp, scary teeth. Right, yeah. And I've never seen that mentioned anywhere, so that's kind of an artist thing. Um, The citizens of Crawfordville described a violently flapping thing that had a flaming red eye in the um, center of its what they assumed was its head. Um, it was 20 feet long and 8 feet wide, kind of eel-shaped or, you know, serpentine in shape. Uh, but descriptions of the creature vary from person to person, with some accounts suggesting that it had no head. Others describing that it had a glowing red eye and hot breath. 
Uh, accounts generally agree, though, the creature was eel-like. Um, uh, several undulating fins along the sides, the bottom, and the top of its body. Uh, during the report of the second appearance, witnesses described the creature was withering and squirming and producing a wheezing sound as if it were in pain. One of the strange accounts was that the uh, Methodist pastor named Reverend G.W. Switzer and his wife uh, also saw the animal. They, the creature withered as, it, uh, withered as though it was in great pain. Squirming in agony is what the pastor said, and the sound of wheezing and er, plentiful noise as it hovered 300 feet above. Mm. So it it was flapping these little things, but it didn't seem that these were the propulsion method. Uh, These things were very short. Uh, They said wings. uh, Some accounts describe them as hair bundles almost, uh, which will that's kind of important for later. Uh, so these little fins along the side weren't wings, just to make that clear. These were tiny little things. Right. Uh, what is the most strange about this creature is its mouth it had three jaw-like structures and appeared to have its eye right in the center of its three jaws. Um, and here it goes with feather protrusions coming along, you know, the sides and its back. Um, so they... Talk about its, you know, the center of its face having its this big red eye, uh, and three jaws around it. Around the eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, this description, if this was in the water, it would already be ID'd as a group of animals called cyanophoria, or cyanophores. Uh, these are colonial organisms. Uh, but I guess bef- we'll take a break, or not break, but before we dive into cyanophoria... What do you think about the uh, Crawfordville monster? Oh, interesting. Interesting. What did it do? Did it do anything? No, it's just uh, a whole town pretty much seen it over top, just kind of like squirming like a worm. Is mm-hmm. when I read the reports like floating in the sky. Yeah, but it was withering, like it was jolting, shaking it with the front part of its body back and forth, as it was in great pain. Interesting, and and there was no storm. At least during when it was uh, seen alive, um, some of these reports. There's, there's a couple of the reports like this. Think that they may, if they are upper atmosphere creatures, these severe storm events may rip them down. Mm, okay. And they can't get back up. Yeah. Uh, they can fly still, or they can float from whatever gas sacks they probably have. They're probably very light. Mm. Uh, but he, they can't get back up. Uh, the same phenomenon happens with squids going down. Uh, so giant squids use an ammonia-based uh, system for buoyancy. So when you have giant squids up the surface too long, the ammonia warms up, and the ammonia becomes lighter than water then. So it can't get itself so back then down. Then it can't di- dive, and they'll lay on the surface doing the same thing, hmm. dying from not being able to get back where they're supposed to be. Yeah. So it does, like we talked about, there's a very big parallel with the ocean. At, like the ground level is this kind of... Well, as above, so below, yeah, right? The, yep. But, um... So, anything else about this, the Crawfordville monster? And, um, as far as to add, not really, but it's interesting. It's an odd creature. Yeah. And if you didn't know what I know, it would be even odder, I think. Right. Because after I read this, I'm like, yeah, I, I know what that is. There's a group of animals that really fits the description to a mm-hmm. T. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, like I said, the cyanophoria. But they're in the water. That's yeah, the big they're, thing. Yeah, they're, and they're mostly deep sea. Yeah. 
Well, I'm not sure of any shallow water ones. I'm not saying there's not, but as far as I know, at least most of the family group is in the deep ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. They can swim, but they're mostly towards the bottom. They like high pressure zones. But this is a colonial organism. Um, I mean, if anybody cares, I can really read down to their whole. They're on the order of hydro dronesians, the class of marine organisms belongs to the phylum Cyndaria. Um, but yeah. So what? So a cyanophore is that what you said? Yeah, cyanophore. So uh, they they what? They all group together and make like a giant worm looking thing. Yeah, that's that's one of the commoner body plans. Okay. Is actually how the uh, Crattersville monsters described. Put that in the water, and that's what a basic. They have a worm type shape. They often have a head. There's a bunch of them. There's a couple of them that look like male genitalia. Yeah. So they get made fun of a lot because they have a big red head. Yeah. Or, like, they said with the Crattersville, or the, yeah, the Crawfordville monsters. Right, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Crattersville's by us. Yeah. Uh, that's a different monster. Yeah. Um, so could they be mistaken that for an eye? Uh, I mean, it was 300 feet up, so it, even though it was big... Right, yeah. It's not, you know, it's the size of a truck. You're not right up against it looking yeah. at it, observing it. It's not the size of a blimp. It's the size of a truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of them have this basic worm shape and these feathery-like appendages running down their sides and their top. And a lot of these don't use these for propulsion. They actually use these as filter-feeding structures. Mm. So they, as they move through... They're grabbing things and yeah. feeding it in. Yeah. So, so, like, if this thing's floating around the sky, what's it eating? Uh, well, we got that at the end. Okay, okay. I'm trying to skip ahead. I, that's, I had one for you so you would know, but my printer decided to not like J this morning. And we have ink, but it just, like, printed all J's blank. Oh, well. It's weird. It knows what's really in my brain. I know nothing. But, um, yeah, so basically a lot of these organisms, there's a, so there, it's a colonial organism. So it means it's individual animals that kind of all hold on together mm-hmm. and are all different specializations they form one animal. Right. So there's one anim- There's one group of animals that just do the swimming. There's one group of animals that just do the hunting. There's one group of animals that just do where to move next for food. There's one group of animals that distribute the food evenly among the other parts. There's one group of animals that may be a sail. There's one group of animals that may create, you know, a substance to keep everybody together. Hmm. Um, and it's... it's they're incredible. That yeah, it's yeah, pretty it's, awesome it's, to see it's work together. Hard. Yeah, it's hard when you look at them. They, they're one animal. Exactly. Uh, but when you really look at them, it's hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of individual animals holding together to form a creature. What to for one mission? Yeah. One goal. Uh, they're incredible to look at. Um, but yeah, so I suggest anybody. I could. I could put. I can. If I remember, I'll put it in the Facebook group. Well, human beings need to take note. So, you know, maybe we should study these creatures a little bit more. But, um, but yeah. A lot of these, uh, can be really small. They, uh, oh. I do have another note about these. Uh, these animals produce all kinds of bioluminescence. Almost everybody in this family group is bioluminescent. Uh, most common colors are blue, green. But, uh, a good chunk of them have red. Hmm. Um. What are these and it's the second only life form. I'm not sure how true this is. Sorry, I'm reading something. Uh, the second only life form to find to have true red 
uh, light. The red's kind of the rarer right. of the bioluminescence. And that's the one that had been observed in some Bigfoot. Yeah. That's hard to explain or hard to... Yeah. Yeah, but red doesn't make as much sense in the deep ocean as it would for a Sasquatch. Right, yeah. Because red light, I believe it's red that uh, goes the least through. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of deep sea animals are red. Okay. It's because it's the color that doesn't reach. So mm-hmm. they're, they're colorless. Right, yeah. Uh, like stomach linings are red because they block out other animals' bioluminescence because when you're in the deep sea, the biggest problem is if you eat something and then it lights up, now you're going to get eaten. Right, yeah, because now you're lit up. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we have a whole thing in this about bioluminescence. But that's pretty much uh, cyanophoria, cyanophores. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm saying the name right. It's not an easy name to read. It's got a lot of weird letters in it. I think it's a good link between that Crawfordsville monster and something we know existing. In- and I guess uh, like mantle wars are not cyanophoria. I'm pretty sure they're not in the same family, but they're the same type of thing. Mantle war uh, jellyfish. Yeah. Man, we're jellyfish. They're not jellyfish. They are a colonial organism that kind of resembles a jellyfish. See, I never knew that before. Yeah, so they're not a jellyfish. They just get the name. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff that get names stuck to them. Hmm. Uh, like electric eels aren't eels. Hmm. Uh, they're, uh, they're knife fish. And not every song parody is done by Weird Al. But most of them. See? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of these creatures that exist that don't fit the bill they look like they just look so much like one thing right and yeah and you start pulling them apart and you're like okay these are all different guys right so like on the man of war jellyfish the tentacles are one thing the the sail is one thing the bulb is one thing you know the guy that steers it is one thing which is crazy it's crazy that they can work together like that mm-hmm. and make two completely different jobs but combine together to make one mm-hmm. um but yeah and, yeah, and we can hardly hold a society together. So we've kind of talked about these upper atmosphere guys. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of them. I mean, but one thing we kind of, t- I don't know if we touched on, on the podcast, me and you have talked about it, are shadow biospheres. Mm, okay. So a biosphere is pretty much, on our is our tree of life. So anybody at home, it's the entire tree is a biosphere. So the plants, animals, fungus, uh, bacteria, or was it eukaryotes? And I, I'm I'm forgetting the other two. But the you know the branches of the tree, this is all a biosphere. We all have common lineage somewhere, no matter how On far this back. Tree you know. of life. Uh, so one of the issues with the theory of evolution is, if basically the amino acid start process has only gotten easier. Since more life is producing more amino acids, there should be these things called shadow biospheres. Which a shadow biosphere is a secondary biosphere that's not related to us whatsoever. Uh, and they should crop up. And some people think that, you know, the virus lineage may be a shadow biosphere. Because uh, they couldn't exist without us, you know. They don't quite fit our bill of life. I think they're alive. That's kind of a big argument and a lot of a lot of it because they have a lot of characteristics of life but a lot of people don't classify them as alive mm-hmm. even though they hunt and reproduce using our cells mm-hmm. I never understood that growing up in school uh, they can't reproduce they don't they can't reproduce without uh, somebody else's DNA mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of the, the kicker that's what they draw the line at yeah it's kind of weird uh, the reproduction aspect uh, they're like tiny little robots yeah they're very different than us mm-hmm. they're uh, 
But we were talking about that's a whole other bag of cats we can go into. But um, so we should see these things popping up called shadow biospheres. So they're these creatures in the upper atmosphere. If they do exist, they could be something we that are a family group that we already know. Or they could be their own separate thing from, you know, uh, the early days of stuff getting tossed up in the upper atmosphere and forming life. That's why they may have propulsion methods we don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Is because they didn't uh, adapt over time like other animals on the surface right. that we can look at. They uh, lived through a different environment mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah, they started in a different environment. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at a lot of the aquatic and surface animals even though they have all these unique different shapes, you can trace back a lot of stuff and still figure out, you know, point A to point B most of the time. Uh, but, so that's just something I wanted to, you know, throw out there. There is a the theory of shadow biospheres, and I think it gets tossed around a little bit for some otter stuff that may not fit it. Otter? Like, yeah. Like, some people have talked about it with, like, Sasquatch and stuff like that, which... They can fit in our family tree. They can fit on our biosphere somewhere. I mean, they have all the traits to exist. Gotcha. But so there's, there's people who use it for otter things. There's I. It's hard to explain. There's it's hard to be otter than the the Crawfordville monster. Yeah, that's a little out but, there. I mean, otter as in it doesn't need that to exist. Mm-hmm. All right, before we move on, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about sky rot mm. and star rot. Doesn't that sound delicious? Well, be su- don't be surprised. People have eaten it. All right, we'll be back. And we're back. All right, so we're going to talk about a phenomenon known as star rot. And I'm going to read a kind of a quick little description, and then we'll kind of talk about it. Okay. Like everything else you do, like that's something new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read the description, then we talk about it. Uh, so it's a mysterious phenomenon that has been recorded for centuries, if not millennia, but has, has never been fully explained. Uh, it's known as star rot, sky rot, uh, and a couple other names. Um, I'm sorry, I'm skipping around a little bit. But basically it's a jelly or slime-like substance that falls from the sky over an area. Uh, sometimes the area is three or four counties wide. Is the biggest I've okay. heard of. It's uh, quite a good spread. Yeah, almost sometimes up to I've heard a hundred miles in a line, but three or four counties worth of coverage. Uh, so, I'm just, so this is a couple of them have been explained. There's all kinds of stuff like algae, fungus, slime molds. And even semi-digested remains of food regurgitated by a flock of birds in one go. Mm. Uh, it has happened. Uh, like, I don't... Uh, what was one of the things? So, like, vultures will get throw up mm-hmm. if it's a wind current thing and they start crashing. So they'll lighten the load. Oh, so they'll all... Yeah, so they all have to... They discharge. all do it. Because yeah. they all are having the same problem. Right, yeah. Um, but it seems more often than not, it's not explained. And I kind of talked about one with Jay yesterday. I don't have it down because I couldn't find more information on it. Uh, but there was one, I think it was in Maryland, that had a cell structure with no DNA. Uh, the slime. The slime that came down from the sky. Yeah. Uh, so it seemed to be some kind of tissue 
organic tissue, but with no DNA. And there are some similar agents that are used uh, to scrub uh, chemical compounds. And there's some similar agents used to hold chemical compounds. Uh, so it, just weird all around. Yeah. And this has been seen everywhere. Algae, I think, is the number one uh, that gets seen. But you normally can tell that pretty... Anybody that lives in Ohio, have you ever seen that big green slimy algae that grows in your yard after a spring rain? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the heck that stuff is. Yeah. But it's gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so that's kind of the stuff we're talking about. But more often than not, it's not explained. So before I continue on the big one, what do you think about that? So this is a documented phenomenon. I it's mean, for a long time. Hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah. So there's something to it. But what is it? I don't know. And I think this is a phenomenon like a lot of this other stuff that... It's, you can't put every incident in one box like they were talking right, about. Yeah. Like sometimes it's uh, sky algae. That, mm. You know, it all happens. Whatever, you know, kicks it out of the upper atmosphere and it just drops. Uh, same with slime mold and fungus, obviously. It's all kind of the same situation, but different things. Um, and as far as fungus, there's a lot of funguses that are very meaty in texture or slimy mm. or chunky. Yeah, yummy fungus. Mm-hmm. Ew. Uh, some of this stuff is reported to just uh, dissolve and dissipate over one day, or as soon as the sun comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is kind of it seems to kind of be seen with storms more than not. You think that storms just like release it or knock it, it loose? It could be all kinds of things. The storm mm-hmm. systems pulling it out of the upper atmosphere. The storm systems causing the birds to throw up. The storm systems bringing it up out of the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. Or some of these slime molds and stuff. Interesting. Oh yeah, it could be coming from below. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but. It's still an odd phenomenon that has probably just as many uh, reasons it's happening as questions about it. Right, exactly. Uh, so it's hard to pin down, but there are a handful of them that are unexplained, that are weird, uh, that could be these atmospheric creatures uh, when they die. You know, they just their bodies kind of fall apart and crash. Uh, like jellyfish, I picked up lunar jellyfish. Uh, they, they just kind of break apart in your hands, and then they over a day, you know, there won't be nothing of them. Yeah. You know, they're more just holding together than anything. Uh, there's not much to them. So if it's a creature kind of with that kind of biological design, you know, it can crash as it's coming out of the upper atmosphere. It just kind of breaks apart. Mm-hmm. And, and gets thrown everywhere. Yeah, and then after, you know, I mean, the sun comes out, it's done. Same with fungus. If it's a fungus that's doing it, uh... Like, um, we hunt morels, and morels will pop up, like, within a couple minutes, so you, like, you can walk past, and there won't be a morel, and you walk back past, and there's morels. Really? Yeah. Uh, we've had it happen more often than not, and then the sun comes out and touches them, and they're gone. Wow. See, I've only done that once. Yeah. Fungus is, are the masters of just rapid, or rapid growth. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of this stuff. This is a really weird phenomenon. It's a hard one to kind of... Put your well, finger on? Yeah, because it's just, there's so many parts of it. Well, yeah, because it, is it organic? Is it something we made? It's, is it something that... It always seems to be an organic structure. Doesn't mean it's something that is not an experimental organic substance. Right. But it always seems to be organic in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether that's a organic human-made compound or not, it's a whole different question right but i lean towards maybe most at least 99 percent of it not because it's happened for, for so a long, long time mm-hmm. 
Uh, a really, really famous example, and we're not going to dive into this too much because this may be just a future episode, but the Kentucky Meat Shower. If you guys uh, want to Google that. I don't have the year written down. I should have. I just thought about that. Yeah. But, uh, oh gosh, why don't you look it up on your phone? Okay. I think it was like, I think you told me this before, but I'm, I was thinking early 1900s or maybe even the, uh, I thought it was late 18s. Yeah. I thought it was late 18s. Um, well, let's find out. Kentucky Meat Shower. We're going to go on this little journey together. Mm-hmm. We're professional podcasters. It'd be nice to have, like, a little uh, assistant here with the live feed camera. Oh, if, if Emily doesn't work Tuesday. She'll be joining us now, but that's what she'll do. Just sit in the corner. And I'll be like, look up Kentucky Meat Shower. Yeah, bring it up. Year. I need year. Yeah. <laughs> 1876. 1876. So okay. Mm-hmm. But basically what happened is a strange meat fell over three or four counties and uh most of the pieces were between an inch and five inches long um they every people ate it it's there's no way yeah. to answer about it but that's my favorite part about the story people instantly started eating this stuff mm-hmm. i mean it was thousands and thousands of pounds of meat uh and we heard people examples were like the vulture stuff it's regurgitated vulture uh food um but people ate it and said it was everything tasted everything from bear to cow to camel to just all kinds of stuff and i know they saved some and some even tested i don't remember the results they'll say that for the actual episodes uh we are going to do on it probably season two but uh it was just a weird thing and it was there's nobody flying over in a plane at this in this time right know? yeah so this isn't Should something be. that's happening of a normal means um if this was a flock of vultures there had to been like two hundred thousand vultures in the sky mm-hmm. uh it's just it's just very very weird the kentucky meat shower and like i said most of the pieces were small there's not like steaks falling it could have been fungus like i said there's a lot of funguses that resemble meat and texture. Yep, meaty, you said. And meat and flavor. Hmm. Like Hen of the Woods. It's called that because it tastes and feels like chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's beef heart mushrooms because they taste like beef heart. They have the texture of beef heart. Um, there's all kinds. So it's very, very odd. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? Kentucky meat shower is an uh, interesting phenomenon. It it's it happened. It's just so weird. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. It happened. I mean, everybody's talking about yeah, and then everybody took it home. And just and it was a different time, right? When people food was the main thing you worked for. You didn't, you know. It's what you you needed food to survive, and mm-hmm. now you had two hundred pounds of meat land on your property. What do you do? They're going to eat it. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, we are a very privileged society now to where most people in the U.S. don't have to worry about that right. anymore. Not everybody. Hunger is still a big issue. Yeah, uh, correct. But it was even more so in this time. It, we didn't, you know, the average person didn't have the luxury of passing up free meat. Right, yeah. Or going I to mean, the grocery store just to pick yeah, up. Me and you and it, most people would be like, okay, I'm not eating meat off the ground. Right, yeah. I don't care how fresh it is. When before, it's like... Well, no, they're like, all right, kids, get the wagon. Yeah. Don't let this go to waste. We're making stew for the next three months. Gosh. I don't know what it is, but it's tasty. Yeah. 
think that's uh well that's pretty much the the star rot as far as we're gonna cover in this episode. Because if you really want to cut into star rot, it could be its own. You could do your own podcast on the star rot. Yeah. With all the examples and different types, it's just kind of a big overlay. Uh, but yeah. Anything else to add to either of those? I mean, what do you? I want to ask you. What do you oh, think gosh. star rot actually is? So do you think it is just like a? I think most of the time it's algae. Algae's probably the big one. Algae and fungus are mm-hmm. probably the big ones. Um, I do... Th- I obviously, I think there are these creatures that do exist. Mm-hmm. So I think some of them are these. So Okay, so you like think it's that, a combo of yeah. stuff. Okay. I think, like guys, like they said, a lot of these are probably pretty explainable. Well, what are those things... If these things, like these uh, sky... Let's call them manta ray, sky jellyfish, if these things exist, what do they poop? Well... Waste is a little different, depending on which species you're talking about. And it depends on what they're eating. Right, yeah. Uh, and then it's falling all the way up from the upper atmosphere. So it's probably mostly breaking apart before... Right, it comes yeah. down, if it comes down, or if, or if they just fart, I don't know. And it could it, it could be a... Uh, so, we, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. All right, but, all right. Uh, it's probably what they're eating is really different than what we expect them to eat so the waste product would be a little different but if they're i mean the waste product is gonna mostly dissipate by the time it gets to the ground i mean if you pooped in the upper troposphere it would probably yeah it probably wouldn't make it all the way down you know it'd be a fine mist uh i think the earth is like i can't remember how many meteors hit the earth a year it's a lot uh but it's it's some stupid number mm-hmm. and people can it takes forever to find them unless they're the size of a mountain right yeah because uh, even when the ones the size of a car hit the outside, they break down. Yeah, they break down to the size of a pin mm-hmm. when they hit. If that, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that's we've exhausted that topic. Yeah, this one's very sciencey, and but it's it's just kind of I don't know. What do you think? It's a it's a strange phenomenon. Uh, what there was somebody that. Sorry, I was drawing back. I think it was originally when Blurry Photos podcast had David and Dave and Anomalous Phenomena, and that's what he just always do in the background. Anomalous Phenomena. Okay, okay. And he'd be like, Anomalous Phenomena. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> it's just David now on that. And I still like it, but it's just like when they were together, they were, they were fun. Yeah. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is squid light shows and not just squids um jellyfish and mushrooms are two of the most bioluminescent things on the planet mushrooms yeah there are oh my gosh i just uh there's green oysters which have that communicate with each other with bioluminescence these are mushrooms yeah okay and mushrooms have a whole different type of intelligence Uh, mushrooms are so not looked into it's ridiculous yeah uh, the largest living thing on the planet is a mushroom. a mushroom, yeah, if I knew that. Uh, his name is George. Um, and if he had the notion, he could kill everybody. Hmm. But he doesn't. He just eats a bear every once in a while. He's, he eats a bear? Wait, uh, no, I'm not even going to get into that yet. Well, every time a bear dies, where do you think it goes? George eats it. Oh, so George is the controller. Well, George just feeds. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but... He didn't make the bear die. You don't know that. Well, he doesn't have to. He's got so much food over top of him. Right, yeah. Huh. That's ec- that's extra effort. 
I guess so. He's a passive uh, Talk about predator. George. We get on the weirdest tangents. George the Mushroom. Whenever we get merch, that's going to be our first plushie. George the Mushroom. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It's a show that has Bigfoot on their label, but all the toys are mushrooms. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, George. All right, so uh, tons and tons of deep-sea animals mostly use bioluminescence. Like I said, there's fungus. Uh, owls are slightly bioluminescent. Mm-hmm. And even platypus are slightly bioluminescent. Oh. Um, and a lot of these are different light frequencies, so it's really hard to know how many animals actually have some type of bioluminescence. A lot of these upper land animals that were discovered with bioluminescence uh, were discovered by accident. Okay. Like, owls glow to each other. Right, yes. I knew so, that. even though an owl is so camouflaged to everything else in the forest, to it, it's like being white on a black background. Mm-hmm. To other owls. Yeah, to other owls. Mm-hmm. So that you can kind of coordinate, you know, and stuff like that. It's pretty neat. Um, I can't remember. There's a type of shark that glows, and they glow pretty bright. Oh, wow. So they can find each other, the same thing. But, we're going to really focus on squids. But all animals that have bioluminescence use it for basically hunting, defense. So when we talk about defense, uh, there's actually a couple little fish that shoot a bioluminescent mucus to stick to predators to make them glow. Oh, wow. So something else gets them. Wow, that's now that's thinking yeah. on your feet. Yeah, it's these little tiny fish. It's, it's wicked. I've seen it, a uh, little video. This little fish that's like spit, and it hits this fish that's maybe you know, a half foot long, and then something just monstrous swoops in and gets it. Wow. That's, you know, in your foods, concealed carrying. Uh, squids and other things use it for communication and mating displays. And we're going to talk about one animal in particular. Because some of these mating displays, or communication displays, are so synchronized, they completely look robotic or man-made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two of the things we're going to talk about are cone jellies and firefly squids. Okay. Uh Firefly squids have, uh, I think it's phyrosophores. Basically, they're light organs. Uh, And they have tons and tons and tons of them. And on their two big tentacles, they have really two bright ones. And these squids will have these these big mating displays. Uh, And they'll all sync up or they'll kind of do different stuff. And it looks like a Christmas light show. Are these like deep sea squids? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it looks like, a, I think they're 300 to 600 meters is, is their range. Okay. Um, and they look like Christmas light shows. They look synchronized. They don't look... Once you turn off the lights and realize it, don't, don't realize it, you know, 10,000 squids, you think it's a machine down there. Almost like, uh, you ever see when they get a bunch of drones together and they fly them up That's the what it really reminds me of. Yeah. Is, um, and they can be really still. Squids are masters at sitting still in the mm-hmm. water uh, and doing these complex patterns. Um, and then cone jellies. Uh, we've talked about cone jellies. Cone jellies come in every shape, size, and color uh, from the size of your eraser and your pencil to, you know, up to, uh, I think, 100-something foot or bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these cone jellies have the most advanced bioluminescence with multitudes of colors multitudes of patterns and they look like little robots they look like little led lights yeah. shows they really on one of them just one so some of these ufos that experience that have these crazy lights uh that's kind of one thing we look at you know are these some kind of upper atmosphere creatures doing these mating displays 
Mm-hmm. Are they putting on a show for each other? They don't care about us. And like this, the synchronicity of them being together and riding the same lights across the sky and stuff like that. And because I've heard people talk about like these lights that are all, they have to be part one thing because one thing they're moving together, but you can see the sky in between them. Mm-hmm. Is that because they're not, they're just so good at what they do, they appear to be hooked up together. Right, yeah. Because it's just some kind of display. Um, but it's wicked. It's truly wicked. Uh, I would definitely suggest you look up both of these creatures. Yeah, Google Type in cone jellies. T- cone jelly bioluminescence or light display. Mm-hmm. And then firefly squid light display or bioluminescence. Um, don't Humboldt squids have like... Yeah, uh, they don't They don't have bioluminescence. They have flashing as far as I know. Right, yeah. Uh, which is a little different. Uh, they're... They're not considered a deep sea squid. They go down pretty deep, but they're a surface squid. But they do like um, when they flash. It, it can be. It looks almost oh, robotic. Or yeah, coordinated yeah. Or... Their their color flashing is still is still just as crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it's a firefly squid is pretty much unmatched in this right. field. Okay. You know, it's it's something More of a light show. Yeah. Kind it's of thing. it's very much something to witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's there's normally tens of thousands of them. At one time doing this. These are tiny little guys. They yeah. max out at like seven inches. Okay. But they may cover a mile of ocean. Okay, gotcha. So it, it has, gives you the appearance of something giant. And a couple, speaking of little things that give you the appearance, some of these, uh, I've heard of like these giant glimmers of UFOs. Like people describe them as being cloaked. Yeah. And that always kind of reminds me of these squids too. Mm-hmm. A bunch of little things huddling together. And you just happen to catch them as they're, as they're moving at the right angle. Mm-hmm. So you get this glimmer as if there's something there. When it's uh, a bunch of little things. And I've heard one account of a guy seeing a glimmering tornado without any wind. And these glimmers were going up, 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 up in a big circling pattern. And then they disappeared in the upper atmosphere. And so was that a school of these things that got knocked down, of young, that got knocked down and are trying to get back up? Mm-hmm. Um... And we kind of talked about, like, why they're seen out in desert a lot. And it's because of probably the Rockies. Uh, they can use the Rocky Thermal Ridge to ride back up into the upper atmosphere free of charge. Hmm. Californian condors do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these big uh, birds do it. Uh, so if you don't want to get stuck down here, but you've got to come down here for something, maybe reproduction, you know, that's... An easy way to get back yeah, up. that's an easy way to get back up. And yeah. then... Same over here, we have the Smokies, but we don't have, you know, as much of a thermal current, but we have the ocean, you know, there's, there's ways to get back up, but yeah, Hmm. so any add-ins for that one? Well, um, this is the part that kind of made me, um, I guess believe in the subject of atmospheric creatures even, because I didn't think it was even possible, it's just, you look up in the sky, you know, what can just float around up there, but then... Like, every time you see a UFO video, especially with the crazy lights, I automatically think, UFO, flunt flying, someone built that, someone made it. But, I've also seen these videos of these deep sea squids and jellies that have these cool light shows, and it looks like someone built, like, they look like little machines someone built or mm-hmm. created with LED lights all over them. It, now knowing that something that can exist in the atmosphere... Something already does exist in the deep depths of the ocean. Similar environments, but so different at the same time, but very similar. Why can't one exist here when the other already exists there? 
I can see the similarities of both actually existing. And it makes sense to me. It makes it it makes sense. It explains certain sightings and stuff that you see that look like organic movement, but with crazy light shows that look man-made. I can totally just see that being a big quote unquote squid jelly floating around Some the sky. Some kind of organism that happens to match those guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, That's related similar qualities. And a good a good segue to the next segment. Is life up there? Is there even anything? You know, when we kind of started this, I had the, I even I had the idea that life was kind of sparse, mm-hmm. if at all, in the upper atmosphere. And when we're talking, you know, we're talking troposphere, stratosphere, we're talking way up, dang near space. Yeah, I mean, I think the troposphere is the one that's on. That might sound really stupid. I'm not sure. I should have looked it up. I there's there's the one that meets space, but uh. Yeah. I, I have a couple articles. Uh, <laughs> one's from Science uh, Science News Org, I believe, and the other one's from the good old Wikipedia. Mm. But uh, just kind of talking about it. That Okay, so I'm just going to read this little passage and we'll talk about it. Uh, every major biological in- lineage has been detected in the Earth's upper atmosphere. So every group. That's animals, fungus, plants, as you know, and both the other two. I can I always have problems. Eukaryotes and karyotes mm-hmm. uh, have been detected in the upper atmosphere, and how they did this is basically these big balloons that had long term capturing. Uh, some of the areas had dense algaes in the upper atmosphere that'd be almost like a slime mm. in the air. So like, when you're if you were driving a car up there, you'd get a bunch of stuff under your windshield. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a virtual ocean. It's just packed with life. It's the exact opposite of what I thought. It makes the thought, for me, even more solidified. That it is packed with all kinds of microbes. Mm-hmm. All kinds of funguses. All kinds of algaes. Algaes especially. Uh, it's, it's wild. So now, if you have these things, you already got rid of the question of what are they eating. Right, yeah. You know, why do they act? Because like we were talking about uh, the manta ray... Uh, they act like a filter feeding motion. Mm-hmm, that figure eight. Because they probably are filter feeders. Didn't you tell me that the figure eight is the most efficient pattern? It's one of the more efficient ones for uh, a tight-bodied filter feeder. Yeah. Uh, whales can't do it because whales developed just gigantic mouths to, to you know not have to worry about taking turns. Right, yeah. Tight turns. Uh, manta rays do this figure eighting and hooping motion a lot because it's how, for their body to style, it is very efficient feeding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, other... Um, yeah, it just depends on the filter feeder, but it is one of the more efficient ways to feed. Uh, so they would have tons and tons and tons of food. Uh, so then it comes to the question, why are they coming down here? You know, we get a, one every once in a while, whoa, is it reproduction? Is it because they get knocked down here? Uh, and if that to me sounds crazy, how can an animal get knocked down? If you look at the ocean, again, all kinds of sea life gets stranded because of storms. Mm-hmm. Just because they're designed for that environment doesn't mean they can handle everything the environment can kick out. Whales get stranded. Orcas get stranded. Dolphins get stranded. Turtles get stranded. Fish, deep ocean fish get affected by storms mm-hmm. and end up dead on the beach. Or fish, you know. That guy lives, you know, 2,000 feet below the surface. And, and there he is on the beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can it kind of works the opposite. His, a storm system can pull somebody down if they get too close. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then they're kind of they they don't crash depending on which kind of structure they have. They're stuck until they die. You know, uh, it's harder to, for them if the body de- design is probably either a very gaseous sacs mm-hmm. all over their body, and they use some kind of propulsion like that, like a like a squid or something, or they have a really high propulsion system and they're a little denser. But either way, that's very energy cost uh, cost of down here. Versus up there. Right, yeah. Because uh, basically, if you're talking the troposphere, you're talking about starting to get low gravity. There's you know, basically nothing almost floating. resisting you, yeah. So when you get stuck down here, you're having to power fly. And mm-hmm. These things probably aren't the best designed for that for long term. Because the air is probably way more dense. Yeah. I mean, it is way more dense down it's here. It's way dense down here compared to up there. Hmm. Uh, so it's easier to move up there. But my big thing was the oxygen up there, but it seems not be an issue. Uh, it is lower oxygen, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but we have all kinds of life up there. That still is, yeah. doesn't matter. That's a crazy thing. There's literally life everywhere. Like, can they send Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does. I mean, e- everywhere. We have things like tardigrades, uh, deep ocean shrimp and crabs that live on a thermal vent. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a crab that sits besides a 3,000 degree vent that's eating the sulfur that comes out of the thing. Yeah. Like, it's, what is that? There's tube worms that live to be 500 years old on the sides of these things. Yeah. That's crazy. Life finds a way. So it's just... So in the atmosphere, I mean, you, you've got to keep that frame of mind of life can live anywhere. Even up in the sky, floating. Floating in, through the sky, whatever. You know? How much real estate is up there? It's, it's crazy. Limitless, it, it, almost. It, yeah, it's a lot bigger than our ocean. And there's been... NASA's done a couple studies where there's been virtually no actual hard work done up there biologically. Mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard it's like studying the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. we run into the same problems of getting something up there long oh, enough exactly yeah uh to study mm-hmm. uh and like the ocean we're getting better with man probes They're, you know these submarines that can stand sixty thousand pounds per square inch of pressure and we just were making a joke on the break is like yeah if you hear a crack in one of those subs guess what you don't have to worry about it yeah you're dead yeah you, you the next thing you see is a light like, okay, John should have tightened that bowl a little more. Was it John or Sven? Sven, Sven. <laughs> Sven should have tightened that bowl. I told him to tighten it before we went down. Oh, but now you're paying for it. Yeah. But we have all this uh, craziness. And then one of the things that uh, encouraged NASA to look into this. Uh, let me get to it. They were worried about transporting all kinds of stuff to other planets. Uh, such as Mars, mm-hmm. um, but they found fungal spores of Bacillus puncillus uh, strain proteins, strain SAFR032, was resilient to radiation tolerance, super high radiation tolerance, spore-forming bacteria that was found on the NASA spacecraft after it was out of the atmosphere. So they think it picked it up on on the, on the way, way out. out. Yeah. And it hung on the outside like tardigrades do. Uh like tardigrades are on Mars. Um if you think life won't find a way, look at those sons of guns. Yeah. They will look at the earth exploding like it's just another day. They'll freeze dry themselves and wait until they crash into another planet. And then there they go again. You think that happened here? Uh maybe, I don't know. I'd say probably. Oh, you're going with probably. I mean, what are the odds it didn't at all? Zero, or what the odds it didn't at all? 98 point, like, nine 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 nine. 
that's so one percent it possibly did is what mm-hmm. you're saying so that means it did if that one percent is there it's i mean that at some form or another it happened so what are your I'm, thoughts about all this upper atmosphere life well that that's just it there's life in the upper atmosphere it's that is um i mean can you say that's confirmed fact for sure yeah like, yeah, yeah there, there's stuff up there there's exactly a biological petri dish mm-hmm. and uh, I, we're still looking into it heavily i know there's very few species named up there so like i guess this first the first probes that have went up yeah are really just testing for the signatures of life mm-hmm. that's what we do on other planets right now we're testing on the moon oh no the moon's on another planet astrological bodies uh the moon and mars is we're testing for these dna markers and the upper atmosphere hit for all of them. I got gotcha. you. So, it's just saying that every form of life, every lineage of life on the surface is found in the sky, in the, in the upper atmosphere. And and we're not talking low to the surface. We're talking you know way upper atmosphere. And I mean, it's it's crazy. I never not crazy. I guess I never had that thought. That never had a factor in my. Uh, I guess thinking about life, it's that up there. I never really thought about up there being that alive, really. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's awesome that it is, and it just opens up the door of this is possible. These sky uh, creatures, these sky jellies, these floating things that just live up there, because that's the only way you... If you're going to live up there, you have to be super light. Mm-hmm. You have to if you're going to stay up there. So I overwhelmingly like came around on this, like, oh, man, okay, this is very possible. I think this. I think these things are real. I really do. Um, very rare because what if they're translucent? Yeah, they're hard. Thousands. I'll of tell you what. Up. I've been in the ocean a lot, and I've been in schools of jellyfish. Mm-hmm. And depending on the species, they're some of them are impossible to see. Yeah. Until you see something stuck in them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there's a uh, you know a forty foot long jellyfish next to me. Great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, one of my brothers was. Got the heck shock out of him. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, he had big long marks all over his body. He came out screaming. We didn't know what happened. We thought he got bit by a shark. Oh, wow. He probably would have rathered it. Yeah, probably. Wait, now, is there, is this math, myth, myth or fact? Uh, About when, the peeing on it? Yeah. Okay, so. So, he, did you pee on him? No, we didn't pee on him. Okay. And I'm not sure if that's real or not. <laughs> the ammonia actually causes. So, they're, they're, these. Pistol fire sting cells. Yeah. So these cells, the problem is, they latch onto you, when the cell bumps you, it shoots a giant corkscrew root into your skin. And it sticks. The cell pulls it? off. Yeah, and leaves that behind. And it just keeps pumping venom in you. Yeah. Uh, and it can be. It, some of the species can go, you know, days of still pumping venom. And so I think alcohol and maybe ammonia can neutralize cause that, it. Yeah, cause that cell to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if P is an actual one that is strong enough to do that. I've heard the myth. I don't know. I've seen it on an episode of Friends, so it must be true. And I think Mythbusters did it or talked about it. Oh, really? I can't remember what the result was. But long story short, no one peed on him, so. <laughs> Went back to the hotel room and was angry. <laughs> yeah. I've never been stung by a jellyfish, and I never wanted to be. I can tell you that for sure. But, uh, like, I mean, you've heard... About the like, I always think go back to like the Phoenix Lights, mm-hmm. uh, and think about those giant synchronized lights, and then, and so I guess another issue we didn't really talk about is what would be the purpose of hiding this. 
from us if the government knows, if the powers to be. Ooh, okay. Know, what would be the purpose? So, I don't think it is. Or do might... you think they just don't understand it enough? That could be. Mm, no, I think they know a lot more than they're letting on. If there's something like this exists, they know about it and they understand it. There's just not allowed to. They're just not telling us for what reasons, what we're asking. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm just trying to form this thought. It's going to mm-hmm. be a little out there, but um, I think if they were hiding this, it's for reasons being the Earth. I still am lean on the... I believe that the Earth isn't exactly what we always thought it was. We're going into this. This is a hell of a rabbit hole, kid. That we're just... You know, this is a realm we inhabit we live on live on there's realms above us and realms below us and um maybe these things are kind of a entry point that something that we can kind of interact with from like a realm that's maybe above us or something that if this were this can of worms would really be explored or opened up or explained in a way that is the truth that who knows we don't know exactly what that is but it might open up a can of worms that might open up people's minds that the the earth really isn't what they were think it might be or what they were taught it always was. So for reasons of hiding this information or suppressing it or making it seem like it doesn't exist keeps your mind and everything in this frame of what exists, like what you believe the earth actually exists in now. And, and I think whether or not the purpose, or not the purpose... Whether or not you believe about what the earth... Like, I'm I'm pretty traditional with my thoughts. The earth mm. is... You know, whatever. But, yeah, there is that whole keeping knowledge traditional. Right, yeah. And I do think that goes on a bit. I think it may be something to do with uh, air traffic. Yeah. Uh, one of the... You know, a huge industry in the world. And are these things a threat to it? You know, obviously we've seen with, like, the Tic Tac. That is an organic creature... It has great capabilities. Mm-hmm. I don't think it could have hurt that fighter jet. I think if it would have bumped into it, it probably fell apart. It, yeah, probably ripped it. But, for example, there's a, a video of a cone jelly I think I showed you. Um, and it's doing this display. It's changing shapes and stuff mm-hmm. right in front of this camera, in front of the ship. And um, and it's doing all this crazy cool stuff, light shows, uh, shape shows, let's just call it that. And it gets too close, and you're the one that told me. And when it gets real close, uh, it just kind of dissipates and mm. spreads out. Yeah, once you touch it, it falls apart. Yeah, and that's what you that's what you explained. It probably got sucked up into that ship's propeller, and mm-hmm. got too Any close. Any kind of and, current, and just would fall apart. And it did. It, it just so, turned to dust. There's so like. nothing. Yeah. Uh, it sucks to be a jellyfish. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but you could still have. And then how are they going this fast? You know, if mm-hmm. they're that soft. And they may be something we don't quite understand, like you were talking about, one way, shape, or form. You know, they're out. They're some kind of thing that's out there. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the whole thing with like we kind of talked about, with, like, well, then what's that mean for people that say they were abducted? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole. You know, it could be there could oh. be other real UFOs. I you. Know, I think yeah. I just something just popped in my head too. It might explain uh, a few things. Okay, for, let's abductions. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. You ever seen those? Uh, I think they're crickets or something. Like they're, um, it's like a fungus or something that gets into like crickets or something. I think it's crickets or ants. grasshoppers, ants or I don't it's know. Ants. They get into their uh, bodies and their brains and they control them. Then they take them to water and they drown them or something. And that's where those things reproduce. 
There's one that does that. The big one is it hijacks the ant, causes the ant to go on a tip of grass and hang on. The ant needs then ant needs to get eaten by a herbivore. Uh, it's met by other members of its same species, and it is a fungus. It's met by other members of the same species that reproduces in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the animal poops out the larval or the eggs. Uh, creatures like snails eat those, mm-hmm. and then ants eat the poop of those creatures. Just to keep their... It's a very complicated life cycle with a zombification. So, what if, now, with that all that being said, we know that exists. Okay. Now, what if these things that are floating in the sky... Are getting hijacked. Are, no, no, they're the, hi, they're the hijackers. So, they're watching... They've been watching over the Earth for who knows how long. They observe us humans as being the top of the food chain, whatever. What if they're swooping down... They develop. They've evolved into this thing where they can latch onto us, hijack our brains, and make us think we're getting abducted. They make you think they're all this, but they're actually maybe injecting their own fungus into your own brain and sending you on a mission back down here to spread its DNA around. Maybe these are our rulers that are hmm. really is the sky watchers, or you know the. In, Ancient people always talk about people came from the sky. It could just be a sky jelly fungus. Yeah, big snot lobs. Yeah, that's... They tell us what to do. Exactly. Is I it... don't know. I, back to the first point, I guess, is I think they stop because of air traffic and stuff. I don't think they don't want... They don't want us to... If they know and they don't want us to know, it's probably mm-hmm. due to something with air, you know, just in general air traffic. Similar, they... similar to your Bigfoot theory with logging yeah. industry. Shutting yeah. that down. And I don't know if it's because people are going to care a lot about them or people are going to be scared of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... I don't want to fly up there. There's things up there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we've flown commercial flights forever and the only time they've ever crashed because of a person. So, I don't... You know, I don't... I'm not too worried about a big sack of snot. Right, yeah. Even though it can fly fast or move quick. I mean, there are things of planes disappearing from time to time that they don't explain. And there's a whole thing. I well, Somebody, and I'm sorry I don't know their name, if you ever hear this i apologize full credit to you but somebody had the theory that a lot of these missing 411s might be these creatures swooping down and mm-hmm. scooping them up it could be i mean they're all without complete without trace no scent trail gone mm-hmm. you know just because it's a jellyfish came and grabbed you mm-hmm. maybe a tentacle just swooped down mm-hmm. and yeah, it could be plucked you from the earth well that's fun that's fun to think about yeah i don't like it <laughs> Never going outside again. What you do is you always have a little bag of salt. Aha. Because if they're squishy like jellyfish, you throw salt on them, it'll burn like hell. Yeah. Ah, so you need salt, garlic. What else at night? It's garlic for vampires. Wow, silver. Silver bullets and things. Just silver in Just general. silver in general. All right. Um, and maybe an apple for a Bigfoot just to offer. Just because nothing can stop it. What, you already sound like a buffet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Assault. Yeah. It's this guy come pre seasoned. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And a good steak, you okay. know, in your back pocket. <laughs> well, any other thoughts about this issue in general? No, I'm um well don't feel like we've been talking this long. We're well over an hour. Yeah, I don't feel like at all. I like this one. This one's this one I think needs a little bit more research. Needs a to be talked about a little bit more. And there is a lot more of examples of creatures that kind of fit this, uh, you know, town monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. We just kind of picked two that 
uh, we liked. And that are fairly local. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, you know, we try to keep in the, either the Midwest or the Appalachia. Where the corn grows. Where the corn grows. I think they have corn pretty much everywhere on the planet. Nah, but this is where the corn is meant Except maybe Antarctica. I don't think corn. Well, maybe they grow it underground there. They grow a couple plants. Really? I'm sure they do. There's corn everywhere, yeah, but mainly the heartland of America. All right. Anything else to add before we close out? Um. Yeah. One more thing. You oh have, gosh. You have to do a. Uh... No, it's your turn. Uh, I know. I I know because I was gonna say that it's your turn. Dang it. Dang it. Okay. Don't swear on this podcast. I know. I know. All right. What do I need to do? What? Uh, the Crawfordville monster with all that description. Oh. Okay. But he said it was a wheezing. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's hear it. Okay, hold on a second. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> Everybody at home, you couldn't see. I, like, held the mic to Jay's face. Oh, and we're working on getting the audio fixed. I figured out, we, we're down to one mic again. Uh, we are not tech people. No. I mean, we'll get it. I just keep spending money on buying stuff that don't work. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. We'll get there. All oh, right. Man. I have been the fascinating and fantastic Justin. And I've been the mystified and... Mediocre. Al- and mediocre, always learning Jay. And we will catch you next week with a mammoth surprise. Ding. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. All right. You guys have a good one. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.